0: Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre Nottingham. This episode is our second Red Thread special. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Uh, welcome back to Take Orally, and this is our second Red Thread special. I'm delighted that we're joined by Hannah Yates, the Business Development Manager for Red Thread. Hello Hannah. Hi. And uh, We've also got Imran Mohammed, who is the Program Manager for Red Thread in the Midlands. Hello Imran. How are you doing? Nice to meet you both. Uh, so, in our first episode we had a discussion about uh, Red Thread here in Nottingham and their day-to-day work, the background of our team. I just want to have a more of a broader look in this episode about Red Thread uh, and uh, how the charity came to being. I just wonder at this point, Hannah, if we could could go through the background of Red Threads. I understand it's been around for about 20 years, is that that right?
1: Yeah, of course, and it's kind of first iteration, definitely. So our current CEO, John, um, was a, a a a trained youth worker um, back in the day and he was working actually in primary care alongside GPs um, and delivering sessional work into a local GP surgery in southeast London and it was through his connections through um, his GP colleagues and his clinical colleagues that he got talking to um, one of the major trauma centres in London which is King's College Hospital again in southeast London and discussions were around an increasing number of young people who were coming into the department who were turning up multiple times, you know clinicians have seen them more than once, uh, they were presenting with um, violence or suspected violence related injuries um, sometimes there was quite a clear escalation in the injury. so what started out as a relatively minor injury would quite quickly escalate into something that could almost be major trauma if not major trauma um, and so John started providing some kind of evening sessional work into King's emergency department to um, talk to these young people and to provide what, what was the kind of um, the Mm -hmm. beginnings of the Youth Violence Intervention Programme in its infancy. So since then the, the idea grew and, and King's were very supportive in, in um, seeing the benefit of the work um, and it, it became kind of a, a more frequent thing that John was doing. Um, it was then about kind of eight years ago that the Mayor's Office of Policing and Crime in London, so the um, London equivalent to the Police and Crime Commissioner here regionally, mm-hmm. said we've heard about your work, we're really interested about what you're doing um, and its impact and we need to do something that's a little bit innovative to, to tackle this kind of national rising issue, but particularly with the focus on London. Um, they said, we're not interested in one other hospital, um, we only fund things that are pan London. So John was a bit of a red rag to a bull mm-hmm. and said, great, let's, let's see what we can do pan London. Um, so discussions then ensued with the, the kind of other major trauma centres in London. Um, and that is really where the current model of the Youth Violence Intervention Programme run by Red Thread was born so um, we now provide um, like I said for about the last kind of 7 or 8 years in King's um, King's College Hospital, St Mary's in Paddington, St George's in Tooting and we commission a kind of similar service on the Major Trauma wards in the Royal London. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was where our London coverage started and from that work and um, we really started to build connections with some key decision makers key policy makers um, and it was not long before the kind of national stage picked up on, on the work um, and obviously that coincided with um, people will be very familiar with the issues around youth violence and growing serious violence nationally. Um, so I think it's it's really important to say that kind of as being here in Nottingham is, and I know you mentioned this in your in your last episode, it's, it's so exciting as it is the first hospital outside of London to to have this program. Um, and a lot of people have often asked is that because Nottingham's got a particularly kind of serious problem with this and actually that's not the case at all. We know this is a national trend. What this indicates is that Nottingham has been so innovative and so forward thinking and the way that the partners here in, in Nottingham and in the East Midlands have thought about this issue and how they can tackle it is really refreshing and really exciting. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where Red Thread came from. The other arm to, to Red Thread is um, our primary care stuff. So we, we run in South East London again um, a Well centre. Um, which is a partnership with a local GP practice Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a one-stop shop for young people um, to go and they can kind of speak to our youth workers, they can access some mental health support, they can access GP session time to anything that they might need from real kind of low level, just wanting a little bit of social intervention and social interaction, all the way up to um, you know, actually needing some, some kind of clinical input from a GP or a CAMS mental health worker. Um, and you know, it's certainly Red Thread's ambition to begin to um, tie together those two work streams much more closely. Mm-hmm. So certainly the Well Centre in Streatham in London works very well with the team at um, King's College because they're in the same kind of quadrant of the city Um, and there's kind of a lot of um, communication between the two teams about young people who may be going in and out of primary and secondary care Um, but our ambition our dream I suppose is to kind of build that well center model so that with every hospital program that we've got going on we can begin to do that kind of early intervention and also post intervention when the young person is either in or out of of hospital
0: uh, since Nottingham moved into Birmingham as well
1: yeah so Birmingham went live six months after Nottingham so that was in end of July this year so that's really hot off the press um, so we're, um, we're live in two hospitals in the Queen Elizabeth which is the major trauma centre for the West Midlands so Queen QMC's equivalent um, and then Heartlands Hospital which is one of our first non-major trauma centres um, so what's been really exciting about the work here in the Midlands is that whilst the QMC and QE is indeed our major trauma centres they're also so a local emergency department yeah. for so many people yeah. this is my local emergency department and you know people in Nottingham and the surrounding areas will come here with the lower level injuries as mm. well so that early intervention stuff is, is really exciting locally.
0: Able to tell us where next to, or is that all <laughs> still kept under wraps? It's
1: not a state secret. Um, <laughs> no, we are in. We're a victim of our own success yeah. in that the more the more we do, the more kind of profile we get, the more attention we get, and then the more approaches we get from hospitals. We are very lucky, very fortunate that we don't have to go out and really sell our services. Our reputation and no. our impact kind of speaks for us, which is which is a fabulous place to be. Um, so hospitals are often approaching us. Um, We have a number of hospitals nationally that that are keen to work with us. Um, Here in the East Midlands, the um, Leicester Royal Infirmary are really keen. Um, We're having conversations in Oxfordshire, in Bedfordshire, in Liverpool, in Manchester, all over the place really. So as a small organisation though, it's how we manage um, our scale in a way that kind of, you know, maintains fidelity and integrity to our model, Mm -hmm. um, but also meets the need that we know is out there. So it's very exciting times to be part of Red Thread getting to meet the home secretary and all that stuff. There, is, there is that <laughs> element as well but then I think there's there's you know there's the kind of high flying stuff and <laughs> hobnobbing with the with the people who can really make change but then there's also the, the stuff on the ground and the stories we hear from the individual hospitals that's really inspiring as well.
0: I think that reflects what well, your success doesn't it I think you know and, and as you said it's something that's so much in the press at the moment and I know you know um, in London in particular it's something that's always seems to be in the news every day. Um, I realised in our first podcast we didn't actually discuss what red thread Means um, and why <laughs> why the charity is called Red Friend. This is to do with uh, Theseus and the labyrinth, isn't Absolutely. it? It is, yeah. If you so you know your Greek mythology. It yeah.
1: is a little mystical. People often kind of wonder <laughs> where it where it comes from. But yeah, so it's the idea that that Ariadne. Um, rolled out the ball of red thread to guide these back through the labyrinth so the idea is that the the um, analogy is that you know we are there to to support young people not to necessarily take them ourselves but to find their own way in a way that is kind of suitable to them back through what could be some really dark times and back out to safety. I
0: love a bit of Greek mythology it's all good. <laughs> um, so Imran I just want to touch on uh, because you know this this sounds lovely and it, it sounds great and, and you know obviously um, Great that it's being spread and that people are enthused about it, but like all things in medicine, there is evidence behind this. This is a, a evidence-based approach, just as with any sort of medical intervention, isn't it? Well,
2: we've been um, really fortunate that. Um, a part of our funding to part of the uh, the Midlands Project also includes quite a large component there from the uh, with the University of uh, Nottingham, and that's really about uh, trying to. Uh, really drill down into what our immediate and longer term impact is uh, when it comes to the work that we're doing. We've got lots of, I mean, we've, got, uh, we've done nearly two decades worth of anecdotal evidence around how um, a, a health approach to youth work actually makes a long-term meaningful difference to young people's lives and we're really, really excited about the fact that there is a research project currently in, in place uh, which is going to help us to really quantify what difference that, that really does make on the ground as well. Um, I mean, that kind of takes it to, I suppose, our approach and about why we work in the way that we do. Uh, I suppose for us work, being based within within the hospital and particularly with just the nature of the young people that we get coming in as well, it really brings to mind the fact that violence is more than just you know these stereotypical images you know that we might see of you know young young men or gangs or knives and so on as well. It really is part of a wider public health issue. Um, I was at a, a conference a, a couple of months ago and uh, listening to uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Gary Sluckin uh, from uh, the Cure Violence uh, I- Initiative in the state. And uh, he's uh, an epidemiologist, I think I pronounced that right. Epidemiologist. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he'd actually been up in, uh, in West Africa on, a, uh, on an aid to, uh, mission along with uh, some other colleagues. And uh, they were trying to identify the, uh, the spread of cholera um, mm. in certain areas uh, in the Gambia. And uh, when they mapped it, there was some, they did the uh, um, the heat map for how it actually spreads, um, and it's literally you know starts off in one place, spreads to one another, spreads to another, spreads to another, and actually trying to contain it as a disease requires a real preventative approach right from the very very start. When he then began doing some work um, in uh, Chicago as well they realised that actually if you look at the outbreaks of violence in different, different parts of Chicago it spreads in exactly the same way and it's the whole idea that violence begets violence it's the sooner it, exactly and it is contagious and if we treat it as and if we look at it as a disease it actually starts to make a lot more sense those, those really nebulous ideas around you know gangs or knives or crime and so on they almost become terms which it gives us the impression that they're so big they're so unwieldy there's nothing we can do about it disease we understand you know, we, yeah. we know how to tackle it, we know how to work with it. You isolate it, you work on it and you stop it from spreading. That's how you stop, stop violence from actually spreading anywhere else. And we genuinely believe that that's the most effective way of actually approaching our work with young people. I mean, there's lots of different reasons young people come through the doors of an A&E. Um, they've been working here with, uh, with the Nottingham team and, you know, the fabulous work of the team and the clinical staff too, in keeping young people alive. But it's what we do with them while they're here and then when they're out of the door also they don't come back in again. And that's what I suppose the focus of our work really is to try and make sure that when we've had those, those young people in, we're able to put all the scaffolding in place for them so when they're back out in the homes, there's sustainable support in place so they don't end up coming back again. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so I suppose when you talk about the project overall, what is that project looking at then? So what's actually happening within the, within the overall project?
2: Okay, so I mean, our youth workers have a, they take, or, you know, a, uh, a trauma-informed approach uh, to youth work. You know, uh, we spend a, a lot of time, and uh, I don't uh, any of our youth workers, the team leaders, the program coordinators, they'll all give a bit of a wry smile when we talk to them about the initial training and induction. It's about four weeks worth <laughs> of uh, training, and it really dense. is hugely so. Um, and a lot of that really just focuses around actually understanding what trauma does, what the physical symptoms are, what you know, psychologically what trauma can actually do. to People as well, and what impact that can have on somebody. Where I mean, just to give you an example, you know, we've got uh, say a, a young person brought in, you know, they may be you know, well over six fourths, they may be in you know, about 15 or 16 stone, really, really being very, very and very aggressive, very, very angry. You know, they've just been stabbed, they're in the hospital, they've you know, you've got three or four clinical staff actually holding them down, trying to provide them treatment, and they're just trying to get away. Yeah. Really, really, fought, really difficult situation to be in. What the youth workers were able to do is to actually take that mental step back and realise actually here's a young person who's potentially been in a really, really scary situation. They've been approached, they've been assaulted, they've been stabbed. Suddenly they're being held down by all these other people in a completely unfamiliar environment. There's people trying to stick needles into them. They don't know what's going on and they're stuck in that flight or fight response. And at that point, they, it is literally just flight or fight. They're not able to process what's going on around them and he needs a very different approach. So you have somebody there who's not a police officer, they're not a clinical staff, they're not there as a parent or a teacher but just there as a positive adult, somebody who comes in with a very different bedside manner and is able to take that slow approach to come in. They come in, they can be that calming influence on the young person, help them to realize that the people around them are actually trying to support them, help the clinical staff to be very aware, actually, this is the young person who's actually really scared. That's why they're acting the way that they are right now. Where you've got parents or you've got family members or even peers sometimes who might be coming in and again, there's real, real heightened emotion just to be there, to be able to calm those things down that's what we mean by actually being trauma informed, understanding what the trauma is at that particular point, but also when the young person then starts their journey of recovery, being very very aware that what they're going through at that point and at some point very soon in the future they are going to have to really start taking account of what the impact that particular incident actually had on their life as well yeah. and stopping it from becoming a, a, a means of then wanting to get reprisal elsewhere
0: mm-hmm. and I suppose it's the taking away the, the negative Role models and influences, and beginning putting in those positive steps.
2: Well, I mean, there's there's a of reasons why young people get become victims of youth violence, and uh, you know, I, I pointedly use the word victims every time any any young person that comes through an A. Any, they've been a victim of violence. So regardless of whether you know in another scenario they could be a perpetrator or whatever, for the youth work that that is you know completely irrelevant. They're there is a victim. Yeah. Our approach to the young people and what we believe you know very much to be the, the teachable moment, um, is Feather, it is somebody who's coming across there who is non judgmental and really just wants to help support you because you've been through something really traumatic. You could have died potentially, yeah. you haven't, you've survived that's fantastic, that's the strength. What can we do to try and help you not end up back here again? What do we need to help you to unpick so that we can make those changes and you don't end up back in this situation again? Mm-hmm. And whatever those reasons might be, so you know, it could be around those negative peers, it could be around substance use, it could be around mental health, it could be around you know, particularly with uh, some of the um, referrals we've had coming through for, uh, for a large number of young women, it could be around sexual exploitation or you know, child criminal exploitation as well. Let's help unpick what some of those drivers might be and put, um, help you to access the support you need outside. Mm,
0: see. Um, do you think, you know, having, seen, having spoken to people in, in positions of power, do you think that this is uh, an, uh, an issue that receives correct national attention or do you think that there's a bit of a skew in how, how this debate is approached, how this issue is approached within the media? You know, in politics I think Do you think it's,
2: it's represented correctly? Or? We were having a conversation about this just before the podcast today as well. That it it really seems to depend on uh, what the uh, the media's uh, intent might be. So it, it can sometimes, but you know, and there's a lot of very very positive voices out there as well. You know, they really do recognise the fact that this is a significant issue. It does need. It, it, it needs a really systemic approach towards changing, you know, how we're approaching in violence and then unfortunately you then also get the, uh, the elements of the media that really just want to make it really sensationalised yeah. and uh, they latch on to words like gangs and crimes and knife crime and drugs mm. and so on and make it a very very much a, a safety or a, you know just by being afraid of young people generally.
1: Yeah. I think the the language is changing. I think we're heading in the right direction, um, we do still get those kind of red herrings around gang violence or you know pictures the,
2: of the knives yeah
1: the, the scaremongery that you know kind of and it's not that long ago that you know kind of police colleagues or whatever you know it was a school's program to go in and show them horrible images of things that had happened to people who would taken drugs or or you know use knives or whatever and I think understanding is developing and people are beginning to see that actually this, this isn't necessarily the way to deal with this. Um, and I think there's a real um, acknowledgement certainly amongst um, you know, kind of the people who are making decisions and who are affecting policy that actually this isn't the re- responsibility of one single agency. Yeah. We often find that our most innovative partners are our police partners and they know that they can't arrest their way out of this you know yeah. this issue will continue to escalate and continue to get worse mm. if they they always use the same old techniques um, yeah. and that's not to say that, that, that you know there isn't a strict and a really important criminal justice element and kind of uh, you know impact here of course and and that's that's needed and we have to have that rigor but I think they are starting to think a little bit differently about how they work in partnership with other agencies such as ourselves such as health to have kind of as Simran said a kind of systemic approach as opposed to a um, quite a blinkered view which I think perhaps we may have been guilty of in the past
0: so I equate it. So, like, if I was discharging a patient who came in with a medical problem, I will be making sure there is a follow up from their GP, and mm-hmm. we can vaccinate as well to prevent other things as well. There's, there's all these things to, to prevent and. It seems silly that if somebody comes in with a knife crime not to, uh, you know, if they have been a victim of, of, of uh, violence not to use similar approaches.
2: Completely, and I think that that's where actually looking at violence as uh, in public health uh, it makes, makes so much sense because the analogy that you just used there around actually you treat and then you vaccinate, that's exactly what we're trying to do. The treatment is there by the clinical staff, the treatment is also there by the youth workers there to build that relationship and that link straight away, and when they're then back out in the community as well, it's actually vaccinating them against whatever's been driving them into that situation in the first place. Yeah. There was a really interesting um, a debate that I was you know, fortunate enough to be to be part of with a, a current member, from the uh, Violence Reduction Unit from Glasgow, because uh, you know, this was about fifteen years back when the uh, World Health Organization um, you know, assessed that they're the most violent city in the whole of Western Europe. You know, just the highest per capita murder rate as well. And they took very much this whole public health approach to it straight away, and it was uh, you know a f- fair amount of pushback because people just didn't understand what they meant about it. You know, does this mean you're, you know we, we have to feel sorry for people that are going out stabbing people? Yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly. But actually, getting people to start understanding the whole issue around trauma, around yeah. you know um, the adverse childhood experiences, the fact that you know there are lots of reasons why people get involved in these particular lives, and there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done around it. There's no one quick fix yeah. at all. It's actually taking that approach has helped make Glasgow a far far safer safety than it, than he it ever had been. And we honestly believe that using that same kind of approach up here uh, you know, within Nottingham, but in the wider in UK, is the only sustainable way of actually making long-term change for these young people.
0: Yeah. And are you finding young people who you've helped are coming back to say, can I get involved? Can I be part of the team?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've had uh, a number of really lovely stories. I mean, bear in mind, we've only been live in Nottingham for yeah, just over six months now, so we're still a very, very new project still finding its way, but um, we had a really lovely uh, situation where a young man who'd uh, suffered a knife-related uh, injury, I think he'd um, been uh, stabbed on the shoulder, he'd uh, actually wanted to come back again uh, and thank... The, uh, the nursing staff, you know, all the clinical staff actually thank the youth workers as well because he genuinely believes that he would have lost his life mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for their quick thinking, their skills, their training, their compassion mm-hmm. and the support that he got from them and from the youth workers. So, And um, we've got a number of young people that want to be... You know a part of our steering board or want to get involved in uh, actually becoming youth workers themselves as well so it, yeah. it's it, it's actually really quite humbling uh, mm. for us to think that you know we're here we feel genuinely privileged to be able to be a part of the clinical team up here as well and then to be getting that amount of positive feedback back from the young people we're here to support is uh, it's it's lovely
0: and uh, and so Sitting here now, so you've obviously been in, in Nottingham for six months, um, thinking about the future. What, where do we see the next year, few years for Red Thread? What, what, where, where are we seeing this going?
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of back to what I was talking about earlier about. Um, Enjoying riding this kind of mm-hmm. the crest of this wave around the excitement you know that people have for our work and the kind of national profile that our work is gaining and 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 that's a really wonderful thing but it's a really fine balance between kind of booming and bust you know we, yeah. we've got to make sure that we're doing this right so I think the next year for Red Thread is um, about consolidating the work that we're doing here in Nottingham and Birmingham you know we've we went from four hospitals to seven in the space of six months you know we've almost doubled our mm-hmm. coverage. Um, Thank you. Which you know is fantastic, and the teams have literally just flown. You know, we can be proud of what they what they've done in these new sites. Um, but what we need to make sure now is that we can begin to grow the teams. You know, they're still relatively small because we are, you know, reliant upon charitable funding. Yeah. Um, so how can we make sure that the teams have the right infrastructure, have the right kind of um, contingency um, around them, so that they can deliver a service that not only benefits young people but is also kind of safe for them to deliver as well? Because let's not get away from the fact that this work is hard. Um, and the things that they see and the things that they deal with is are really challenging. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of our staff, that they feel uh, supported, um, and that the the impact that they're delivering locally um, is, is acknowledged, shared, um, and really understood. So yeah, I think the next year is about making sure that Nottingham, and Birmingham are settled and well supported, and really know what they're doing. Um, and Hammersmith
2: as well. And, Let's yeah, not forget and Hammersmith.
1: Yes, of <laughs> course. So that's another one of our new sites and in um, Hackney. in Hackney in, in East London. Um, so yeah. I, and then I think beyond that, that doesn't mean that we're not having conversations with further sites and, you know, we are kind of harnessing those opportunities. Um, but I really want to make sure that that here in the Midlands, um, you know, we, we have teams that feel supported and embedded and that the service is having real impact on young people.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the most gratifying things is uh, really just speaking to the, uh, the clinical teams as well and just how welcoming they've been mm-hmm. of, of the youth workers, the fact that the youth workers so, you know, the, the teams have become part of the furniture, you yeah. know, you, you walk into any of the red thread offices, you know, they're, they're based right next to the ED departments, you know, they've got clinical staff, you know, wandering in now just having a chat sometimes about, and it's, it's actually really, really nice to actually see them being a part of the wider clinical teams, and I think, you know, without that positive relationship there, there's no way we'd be able to do any of the good work that we do. I have my red thread
0: lanyard. I'm not wearing it now, so I do have one. Brilliant! <laughs> <Friends. excellent laughs> That's great. <laughs> excellent. Um, so, um, just to start wrapping up, if anybody is listening to this and they are a consultant in a in a uh, in a hospital thinking I like the sound of this um, and they may not already be on your list, but, uh, <laughs> how can they get involved? How can they get in touch to start the process? I mean, what, what, how do they get in touch
1: basically? So, the best thing to do is to visit our website, learn more about what we do, and on there is a full list of contact details. Um, I am more than happy to talk to as many consultants and as many emergency departments as possible, um, you know, and I can talk through kind of what. What particular needs might be where they are, um, and um, what we can do in terms of starting that relationship. These things don't happen quickly. Um, so whilst we, you know we have hospitals that are interested, nothing happens quickly. You know, here in Nottingham, it was kind of two and a half years in the making um, mm-hmm. through the fundraising, through the partnership building, through the operational um, kind of go-live, the recruitment. You know, it's a lot of work that goes into a site. So I would never ever want somebody who is interested to not get in touch. Um, you know, but it's it's about how we then kind of strategically manage our growth. Um, but I think if our work is getting out there and the people who are doing the jobs on the front line in the emergency departments feel that we could have impact then please do get in touch
0: uh, and Richard wants us to re-emphasize uh, the uh, referral process in the QMC uh, so um, um, You can get in touch with the Red Thread team via notice, uh, through email, and there's also an extension. I won't put that out over the mass um, internet, but if you're at the QMC you'll be able to get um, the Red Thread extension that way. Uh, Brilliant. Is there anything else you
2: wanted to talk about? Anything we haven't covered? Uh, the only one thing I just like to say is, man, um, with our Nottingham team, with our Birmingham teams as well, um, you know, the, uh, our teams work incredibly hard, and they do try really, really hard to try and get to know everybody, and you know, make sure people know who we are and so on as well. But we can't be everywhere all of the time as well. Mm. So please, please, pop down to the office. You know, they're all based near the E.D. departments. Come and say hello. You know, the team will be more than happy to talk through what it is we do, and they'll be incredibly um, thankful. They may even have curly wurly. Or the chocolates, possibly. <laughs> as
1: well. You never know. <laughs>
2: I've I heard this rumor.
0: I'm yet to be uh, given one, but they did give me. I should put that. They did give me a Costa coffee for the last podcast. So uh, that's fine. Um, thank you so much, Hannah.
1: Thank you very much for having us.
0: Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Thank you very much. Boom. That was our second Red Thread podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to Take Corley on both SoundCloud and iTunes. You can find the blog entry for this podcast as well as our other uh, resources at www.tatecorley.com. And remember you can follow Take on both Facebook and Twitter. For more information about research and uh, educational opportunities with emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, don't forget to check out NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.